while I was preparing for this episode, I went back and listened to like a lot of episodes. And at one point we were talking about how I should use chat GBT to write the Vincent centric episode that did not age well with everything going on with the WGA and the SAG strikes. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? We're not, we're, we're so separate from that. I still say do it. Make nah, it aged great. I don't, I don't want to do it. Clearly we're, you know, I still got ways to go on that, but in my defense, you know, Locke is a member of SAG, so he, he's striking. I'll kill you. You cannot. <laughs> you have come up with the most creative excuses. Your dog being a member of SAG is not a valid excuse to not work on this project. It's we're an independent production. We'll we'll see if we can get him to get a pass. But you know, we're, I'm talking to his team. His team's talking to my team. It's a whole thing. He needs to be a scab. Absolutely Cro- not. Cross the picket line and get to work, buddy. Locke stands with Fran Drescher. The nanny has never been wrong. Welcome back to another episode of Flashback. This one's a little different because we've got double the episodes to cover since last time was the medical fact-checking episode. And since we have so much to cover, I thought we could start with a little game. Okay. So let's, let's waste some time. Right. Okay. You are familiar with the characters of Lost. Yeah. At this point, you're a little bit into season three. So there's a lot of them that you know. You're also familiar with a little franchise called Harry Potter. Little well known. I've heard of it. Yeah. Are you familiar with the house system? Well, lovely mutual of ours on Instagram called Egg TVWN. I believe it's supposed to be Egg Town because there's a season four episode called Egg Town that is a Kate-centric episode, and the profile picture is Kate, Lost account. They have been posting the Lost characters in Hogwarts series, where they assign them a house, a Patronus, and a wand. I thought it would be fun if I just go through all the characters, and you guess what house they are in. Okay, I have such a uh, such a low level knowledge about this stuff it's gonna be based on nothing well just to recap for you and anyone who's unfamiliar like our parents the hogwarts houses there are four of them there is gryffindor the braves mm-hmm. who are also the main characters right you have the hufflepuffs the loyal friends who are fat and worthless in the books that's not my opinion that's jk rowling's opinion because all she ever did was make fun of them and kill cedric diggory Then you have the Ravenclaws, who are the nerds and do absolutely nothing with the exception of Luna Lovegood, the best character. And then you have the Slytherins, which in the books are complex characters. There's definitely something that could be explored there. In the movies, they are the racists. So, yeah, they do literally nothing. They don't even fight in the Battle of Hogwarts. So Okay, we don't need to get into this shit. Let's move on. Anyway. I'm going to name a character. You tell me what house you think they're in and why. I'll tell you what house they're labeled in on the Instagram post. And then I'll throw in the Patronus for fun. Okay. I don't know what Patronus means, but is that like their animal thing? Yeah. Like a little silvery animal when they fight Dementors. Sure. Okay. Go ahead. We're going to start with Jack. Jack? I mean, Jack's in Gryffindor. Why? Because he's a fucking main character, leader... Yeah. You are correct. I know. And his Patronus is the stag, much like Harry Potter. 
Owner of Stack Patronus makes extraordinary influential leaders and honestly care about the well-being of others. Hmm. James Ford, otherwise known as Sawyer. Slytherin? Correct. (laughs) Like I said, they're the racists. Oh, interesting. His Patronus is a weasel. I get, I see that. People have been dying to know what you think of this character. And since you are in season three, Juliet. Um, I feel like I don't know enough about her. I would either put her as Gryffindor or Ravenclaw. They have her as Ravenclaw and the Patronus is Dolphin. I'm not going to explain why, just because I don't want you to know anything. Hugo Reyes. I mean, based on your description, I'm going to go. He's a Hufflepuff. Hufflepuff and proud, loyal and kind. That's Hugo to a T. His Patronus is a calico cat. Aw. Kate Austin. Uh, I'm just going to go Gryffindor. You would be correct. Can you guess on the Patronus? I don't know the options. Are all animals an option? Yep. Well, shit. I don't know. That's a lot of animals. I'd give her like, she's like, she's like a fox. No. Horse, which makes sense considering the horse like protected her. And oh, the Patronus is saw like, a fucking horse. I've seen a horse before. I'm not a horse. The horse is what helped her escape from the marshal, and the Patronus is like a protector. She's not a horse. She probably was a horse girl when she was little, though. The the Patronus isn't like your spirit animal. It's like your protector, your guardian. Oh. What's a weasel gonna protect? Help him con people. I don't fucking oh, know. Oh my god. Okay. Benjamin Linus. That little rat boy is a Slytherin. (laughs) Indeed he is. Interesting here, his Patronus is a cheetah. No, it's a rat. (laughs) John Locke. Gryffindor? Ravenclaw. I was going to say that, but I was like, he's a main character and he is brave. I feel like they're discrediting him and that's saying that as a Ravenclaw myself. As a Gryffindor, Gryffindors suck. And I think John is a Ravenclaw. How are you a Gryffindor? I don't know. It's what the test said. What would what would everyone always says? I'm a Hufflepuff, which I can understand. It was my second highest house, but I was gonna say Hufflepuff. <laughs> oh, because I'm fat. Yeah, my room's closest to the kitchen. Hufflepuffs are incredibly good finders. I've never taken the test. I just know I'm a Ravenclaw. Those bitches read. <laughs> oh, his Patronus is a dragon. Okay, that's pretty cool. Charlie Pace. That's his last name. Okay. I was like, who are you talking about? That's hard because I feel like he's just a whiny little bitch. Like, he's not a nerd. I'm just going to put him in Hufflepuff. He is in Hufflepuff. Although, I think an argument for Slytherin could be made because he is ambitious. Like, that is the actual term for Slytherins, not racist. Ambitious is, like, what a what a Slytherin is supposed to be. And he's, like, a whiny, blonde British boy. That's Draco Malfoy to a T. That's true, but I feel like, mm, no, I, I like Hufflepuff for him. Yeah. Patronus is a doe. Jin Quan. Gryffindor. He is indeed a Gryffindor. His Patronus is a swan, although I thought it'd be great if it was like a fish or a shark or something in the water. Saeed Jara. Gryffindor? Wrong. Slytherin? Ravenclaw. Ravenclaw? He's smart. He is smart, but he's he's brave. Are you kidding me? It's like your defining characteristic. 
I mean, yeah, you know I love him. He's he's a competent hottie. There you go. You always say competent. Oh, he's in my house. The house that I assigned myself with the no evidence. You should take the test. I, I will not do that. Why? I feel like we're past that. Fair enough. How about this? I'll put a poll. The poll is, is Lauren a Ravenclaw? Yes or no? Okay. Guys, I read a lot. I, re- I read 70 books last year. Are you involved in the main action at all, ever? If no, you're a Ravenclaw. No, I just talk shit about it on the side. Saeed's Patronus is a fox. Claire Littleton. I don't think she's smart enough to be Ravenclaw, but I bet they put her in Ravenclaw. But I think she's a Hufflepuff. She is indeed a Hufflepuff. There you go. Patronus, goat. (laughs) Ouch. Because that's why she's the goat. Your girl, Ana Lucia Cortez. I bet you Slytherin, but I love her. Go on. I just, because people don't like her. Everybody else doesn't like her. I would put her as Gryffindor or Ravenclaw. She absolutely is Gryffindor. She's like yeah. the embodiment of a Gryffindor. I, like I said, I don't know anything about Harry Potter, but I just felt like people don't like her. So I just thought they'd put her as Slytherin. It's courage, bravery, the willing to lay down your life in exchange for others, blah, 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 blah. She's a natural born leader. She's also a bitch. Yeah. Harry was quite the whiny little bitch. I'm telling you, I've never read the books. I've seen the movies. He's whines in the movies too. In eighth grade. One time. Patronus, polar bear. Mm. Sun Quan. Ravenclaw. She is a Ravenclaw. However, she absolutely should be Hufflepuff. And here's why. I Now, I realize it's an issue there with loyalty, considering she had an affair. But the head of the Hufflepuff house is Professor Sprout, and she's a plant person. Oh, my God. Patronus, Magpie. Libby Smith. Hufflepuff? Absolutely. Patronus is Impala, whatever that is. It's like a, a deer like looking an thing. antelope. Oh, there you go. I did not know Echo's last name. I just I just always have known him as Echo. Echo Tundi. He's a Gryffindor. He is. His Patronus is a crow. Desmond Hume. Desmond is Gryffindor? Ravenclaw. Mm. And his Patronus is a Jack Russell Terrier. Walt. Ravenclaw? They put him in as Gryffindor. I don't I don't know why. I don't agree with that one. But his Patronus is Dragonfly. I guess because he's like special and like Harry Potter was the chosen one. Now, at the time of recording, a couple have not been posted yet, but I did reach out and ask if we were allowed to do this. And they said absolutely and gave us the characters they haven't posted yet and their assignments so we can go over it. Shannon. Uh, Hufflepuff? I don't know. Slytherin. That's what I was going to say, but I, I I don't know. I mean, I guess she is a conning little step bro banger. No Patronus is unfortunately for these characters. Boone. Gryffindor? I have a second guess. That was my second guess because he's very loyal. Very loyal. To his detriment. Got him killed. Michael. Mm, two options. First one to go Gryffindor. Second choice would be Slytherin. If he is a Slytherin. I do feel Michael has brave moments, like building the raft and setting sail was brave. But I mean, at the end of the day, 
what he will always be remembered for is what happened with Ana Lucia and Libby. Right, right. And finally, Danielle. My girl's a Ravenclaw. Indeed. Oh, hell yeah. I feel like I got some good people in my house. I, I don't know. Maybe I will retake the test because it gave me Gryffindor before I even like seen the movies and read the books. Just people were taking it. So I took it. But I don't know. It's been years. Maybe I change. So that was fun. And speaking of fun, we reference a story in one of our episodes. I could not remember which one it was, but we were asked to tell it again. It's in regards to how a bottle of olive oil made it so our father forgot the McDonald's food. Somehow also the president of Ohio State University. Basically, it was years ago, so we don't really remember exactly step by step. But at one point, I knocked over a glass bottle of olive oil, which shattered. Did you knock it over? I thought it fell out of the cabinet when mom opened the cabinet. Well, I would have had to have knocked it over for it to fall initially. No, I thought mom did it. No, I was responsible. Whether, I don't know how it happened, but I was responsible for it breaking. Because I remember just like freaking the fuck out because mom was mad at me. And I I remember going to the other room and thinking, God, if you were real, can we just like have this day start over? Because I had like a really shit day. And I was like, I just want to like redo this day and, you know, fresh start. But we were going over to dad's and we stopped at McDonald's and dad and you were trying to make me feel better. So we basically just kept saying, oh, it's not your fault. It's so-and-so's fault. And we backtracked it all the way to, at some point, the president of Ohio State. And we even got to Jesus at one point. We were like basically doing like butterfly effect. Yeah. But in the end, all of this happened while we were in the drive-thru. And dad just paid and left because we were so distracted. And none of us noticed it until we went to the grocery store. And I remember saying to dad, do we have to stop? The food's going to get cold. <laughs> so then dad's like, I'll be quick. He runs inside. You and I are just sitting in the car talking. And we both realized we couldn't smell the McDonald's. <laughs> so we re- you thought I had it back with me because I was in the backseat. I thought you had it up front. So you were like, go tell dad. So I ran to the store and I, <laughs> I told dad, we forgot the food. <laughs> and he said, not again. The best part about this is, so we went back, we get the food, all is well. Our father, who art in heaven, just kidding. Our father has done this in some variation so many times. <laughs> my favorite, my personal favorite is the time that he got his food at the drive-thru and then just sat there and ate it and did it tell the story without laughing he just sat there and ate it and this girl opens the window and she goes do you need it she asks if dad needs anything else and he just realizes what he's been doing and says no and drives away he doesn't try to save face by asking for sauce or ketchup or anything he just admits it and then just oh my god he has he has forgotten food so many times he pays and leaves that we call him the McDonald's bandit, even though he's not stealing anything. But my personal favorite, this is new. Dad has evolved. Wait. He he door dashes a lot now. Oh, and he door dashes <laughs> it to the wrong house. But the absolute best thing he ever did 
in my opinion, was he was driving home from one of his friends late at night. He gets in a Wendy's drive through line. He never rolled his window down until he got to the first window, paid for an order, received an order at the second window, and drove home. Our dad always gets the Dave's Double with no onions combo with a Diet Dr. Pepper. He received a chicken tender combo with a lemonade. And not only did he just take and pay for this random order and never make an order himself, he really fucked up that drive-thru. He had the the gall to criticize the order. <laughs> he said, who the hell orders lemonade? Oh my god. Oh, shit. Our father, ladies and gentlemen. It's truly unthinkable how often he does it. It's actually concerning. If, if you stop laughing long enough to really think about it, you might be concerned. Don't do that. Just laugh. <laughs> all right. We got to run through some episodes here. Let's go all the way back to episode 14. One of them. Kate was on this episode with us. And this is when you were introduced to a little someone called Henry Gale. Mm. That was quite a while ago. But now that storyline has come and gone. You now know his real name is Ben Linus and you've seen how season two plays out and a good portion of season three. Thinking back at it, what are your overall thoughts on Henry Gale as a plot device and how long it took for us to get there? I liked it. I mean, I thought it was interesting. There's definitely a period that I think I was kind of like, all right, what what's the deal with him? But I liked him as a character and I still like him even though his name is not Henry. You may remember at the time that Kate said the episode wasn't as fun for her because she knows how it all plays out. And that's coming from someone who loves Ben as a character. Not that I ever anticipate you rewatching the series when this is all said and done, but do you think she has a point there that when you kind of know where it's going to go, it takes away the value of a wa- of watching it? I mean, yeah, for sure. Because the whole point is like, what if? and guessing and what's going on and if you already know you're just like that's ben in a bunker it is fun to like see little subtle cues and stuff like that but other than that there really isn't much there unfortunately in this flashback storyline we meet clancy brown who plays inman we later find out that this is kelvin now that you know that this is the same person do you think there was a reason why they decided to bring this character of all people back from a flashback onto the island or just because Clancy Brown's like a fantastic actor. I mean, you literally told me it's probably just because he's a good actor. So no, I don't. I mean, that was just my theory. Right. And if that's your theory, I'm going to go with it. You're kind of the expert. I have not looked it up at all. I've always thought it was a little strange that they picked that person of all people. Skipping to episode 15, maternity leave. This episode, you were really kind of more lost than ever at this point. This was when we went to the staff with the girls trip and you were thrown by Mr. Friendly not having a beard and Ethan's access to the Dharma equipment. You were confused by the plane mobile. You at one point thought Desmond maybe was an other. Now you didn't really believe that for too long. It was just because I asked you that question. You started to think it was a possibility. But the big thing I wanted to ask you here is now that you know about the others and their operation, What are your overall thoughts on the elaborate bluff and the deception that they were using for pretty much all of season two? I mean, they're a little extra. I don't really have 
in-depth thoughts on it, to be honest. Do you think with everything that the others have done and now that what you've seen, they're like a quality antagonist in terms of like storytelling? Because you've like read a lot. You've seen a lot of movies. How Where would you put them on a scale of one to ten? I mean, they're good because they have such mystery. Like, I'm still wondering, even though I the facade has dropped, I'm like, why do they have that facade in the first place when they're on this island all by themselves? I mean, I've obviously said that I think they knew the plane was coming, but they had so much prepared to trick these people. And they've been there forever. Like, I think Ben said he's lived his whole life on that island. So why are they just equipped with like a whole theater production's worth of costumes and fake hatches and fake camps and double islands, all this shit to trick people. I don't think the double islands is to trick people. I just need something else on my list. But I mean, yeah, for that reason, they're they're a great antagonist. In the next episode, The Whole Truth, a lot of the episode we spent talking about if Sun had to fare or not. Now, obviously, we learned the truth of that in The Glass Ballerina. So we're not really going to talk about it here to save our conversation for that episode, which we've already recorded. But I did think it was interesting listening to this episode again and your thoughts on Ana Lucia and how you like her. And this is when you were like, oh, I'm starting to ship her with Saeed. And this is when we announced the fanfic. Subscribe to our YouTube so Lauren can write and read that fanfic. But later in three minutes, you said, I think this is when they are redeeming Charlie because you think Charlie's going to die soon and they want us to care about Charlie. But that's exactly what they were doing in that episode with Ana Lucia. And you did not see it coming at all, which I thought was interesting. Well, I didn't know Ana Lucia was going to die. Like, I know Charlie's going to die. So I was kind of looking out for the redemption arc, but I didn't know she was going to die. So I guess I wasn't looking for those things. In episode 17, Lockdown, we now know for certain that Henry pushed the button. I did ask you if you thought maybe he lied or not, but obviously had he not pushed it, the world would have exploded. Something that I noticed here and in the next episode, you said you do not think the palette is in any way related to the lockdown, the palette of food that was delivered. Mm Mm-hmm. Are you still feeling that way? Because I'm going to tell you now, that's why the lockdown happened. Oh, why would you tell me that? Because it's not really a reveal. They tell you in the next episode when they're looking at the food. Oh, Locke said there was a a lockdown in the hatch last night. Maybe it's because of this. And you just completely disregarded that. I just don't understand why they would be related. I'm not sure why you would want to trap your people in the hatch when that plane's coming, especially when they know about hostiles on the island that may steal their food, but it was what caused it. And the fact that Charlie basically says it, and I even ask you, you always say I ask you leading questions. I asked you a leading question and you were like, no. Because I just don't love the logic behind it doesn't make sense to me. So I guess since you're telling me that it is okay, but I don't like it. In Dave, you said you don't like Libby. You don't trust her you thought there was like this big deceivious reason why she wasn't deceiving reason why she didn't uh, tell Hurley about her past. And you weren't a big fan of their relationship because of this. We now know that that storyline goes ultimately nowhere as annoying as it is. But now that Libby is no longer with us, 
do you feel any differently about the potential relationship there? And what are your final thoughts on the fact that it was a nothing storyline? My thoughts haven't changed. Never liked her. I'm just sad because it just made me feel bad for Hurley when she died. And I still think it's fucking stupid that they did nothing with that. There's good potential there. Could have been something cool. It was nothing. Also, the word you're looking for was deceptive. Thank you. Maybe you could work that into your fanfic. I'm not doing shit with her. She doesn't go in my fanfic. She's like Anna's like closest gal pal on the island. You probably should include her. It's a short story. I don't have time for the quirky BFF. There's always a quirky BFF in a rom-com, Lauren. Mine is not a rom-com. This is rom-drom. Rom-drom. In SOS, we have a fan question. From our girl, Leah, she asks, at this point, because this is the episode before Michael kills Ana Lucia and Livy and turns turncoat, Lauren, what were your thoughts about Michael at this point? He's got some annoying habits, and she put in parentheses, Walt, that is a father's right, my boy. But for the most part, he seemed like a good-hearted character. Then bang, bang, does she see the actions as a father's desperation or is it proof that michael's character was not always as good as we thought i also i i feel like i saw michael as like a complicated character but they didn't really do a very good job of showing that he's complicated like it came off as just kind of frustrating to watch but you've kind of mentioned that they admitted that they didn't really do right by his character and i feel like i can kind of see that i personally as horrible as the double murder is i see it as a father's desperation and i kind of made that judgment when i saw the episode three minutes when they get to have that moment together and then they're like this is what you have to do to get him back like that was a really intense moment and i just think i'm not a parent so i can't really say but like all parents pretty much say that they would kill for their child and he was put to the test and he did do I love it? Absolutely not. But I think he's not, I don't think that like, he's a bad person. He did a very, very bad thing, but I just think he saw no other option. In this episode, we also asked the public, should we get rid of quick bits? And it was a resounding no. Okay, you can't say resounding when like three people said, keep them. It was more than three and it was every single person that responded whatever you're just jealous but also in this episode we talked about your wedding and how it was like the plans there obviously you're not married yet but it's like really freaking close it's like a couple weeks away does that freak you out a little bit that you're going to be a wife soon um no not really i feel like everything else stay the same Hmm. well mel all good reached out as she does every week at the end of her listening to the podcast and told me her thoughts and everything questions for flashback. And she wanted to say, have no idea if Lauren's married yet or not, because you guys record so far in advance. If she's married, tell her, I say congrats. If not tell her, I say congrats anyway. Thank you. No, um, no. So I'm getting married in about three, three weeks. I think can't remember, but I've got other things on the brain. My best friend's bachelorette party is next weekend. So I got a party, then I'll get married. 
<laughs> also in this episode, we talked about my attempt at screenwriting in my screenwriting class. And I said, I may have the document and I found it. Mm. The show was called Sarah, which stood for simulating artificial reason algorithm. <laughs> we really okay. wanted it to spell Sarah. <laughs> But here is the pitch for the show, and I'll leave it at that. Technology has come so far in the last 20 years, and based on that evolution, we have let it do so much for us. We let it entertain, schedule, and plan events, and even with automation, we let it do our jobs for us. The only thing it doesn't seem to do is think or feel, but what if it did? The series revolves around the idea that our AI Personal assistants like Siri and Alexa not only help our everyday lives, but keep the trains on time, but also think at a high level with emotional development as time goes on. With these thoughts and feelings, does that make this AI alive? How do you measure the value of a life? This is the question we want our viewers to ask about the AI as well as the people it evaluates. Three people in different points of life are all in the same self-driving car when an unavoidable accident takes place. In the seconds the accident plays out, the all-knowing and all-seeing AI uses all of its knowledge and processing power to simulate every possible outcome of the accident and the effects the survivors will have on society, leading the AI to decide who gets to live and who dies. We think this show will be a hit because of how it sets up the possibility of debate and theories amongst fans. Look at any of the most iconic moments or shows in television history, the best stand out when the audience is buzzing about it. Whether it's who shot JR from Dallas, what is the island from Lost, or who will sit on the Iron Throne from Game of Thrones, these discussions amongst passionate fans are a big piece of evidence of how great a series is. We believe this series can have multiple points of debate amongst fans who will survive, is the AI alive, how do you determine the value of life, etc. Our target audience is adults, but we like the idea of families watching it together. While this is not a family show by any means, there will be dark themes and plot points. Young adults and teens could watch the show with their parents, and the different perspectives could provoke debate. Any of the big networks would work, but it should be noted that CBS and Fox have had shows with AI centerpieces in the past. We got 100% on this. That's not a terrible idea. I would watch that show. Yeah, I always did like the idea of doing some with it, something with it, but looking at the... Looking at the 15-page document, it's very clear where I stopped working on it and then my partners took over. <laughs> I or actually one. remember this now. Now that you read it to me, I remember you discussing this to me when you took the class and I liked the idea at the time. Maybe someday I'll do something with it, but our millions of listeners have now heard it, so I'm sure it'll get pitched to someone else. Hey, don't steal his idea, guys. Trademark, trademark. And now for the big one. Two for the road. This was a big episode for the show and the podcast. A lot of people said it's one of their favorites that we've done so far. And looking at the analytics, it did really well in the first couple days compared to the rest of our episodes. So I would think it's safe to say people have been anticipating this episode for a while from us, including myself. Is that the episode that came out this week? Nope. What do I know? <laughs> this was a fun episode for me personally leading up to it because myself and the fans were waiting for your reaction and 
you had no idea that this is something that everyone was looking forward to because it was such a shocking moment in the show. Mel asked us a, a question for this episode that I thought was really interesting. In order to rescue your child, which of the characters would you have killed? Charlie. A, it, <laughs> no hesitation. <laughs> sorry was was there like an abc option or something no it was kind of like open-ended which honestly of course we would say charlie personally i don't have kids so i can't really say i mean i love these characters a lot but i mean like if it were if it were Locke, i don't know At, at the end of the day these people are essentially strangers so like someone you love dearly versus someone you've known for you know almost 60 days you're gonna go with someone you love dearly even if you have to spill a little blood yeah I- i'd kill charlie for fun easily you have never liked charlie over the course of the podcast so like is that really a surprise watch i, I know he dies and i probably am gonna be like fucking sobbing <laughs> here's my biggest takeaway from this episode when we were recording you were giving me a lot of shit about my double standard about Jack and Sawyer. Mm, yes. You remember this? I do. Okay. Whenever we're recording episodes, I just feel like I'm not good at saying concisely how I feel. But then when I listen back, I'm like, this is what I should have said. So I wrote down a paragraph for what I should have said to you. Okay. I will now read you that paragraph. Here's what Zane doesn't understand about my double standard about Jack and Sawyer. My baseline for Jack is that I don't like him. So just to remind the fans, this was what Zane was saying. He was like, Sawyer had son basically kidnapped, you know, in that long con episode. And you didn't even care. But Jack like burns a manuscript and and you freak out. You know, he does one little thing and you freak out. But here's the thing. My baseline for Jack, I start out every episode with, I don't like him. So when he does one little thing, I'm over the edge. I hate him. But my baseline for Sawyer is love him. Want to kiss him. So it takes a lot more for him to make me mad. And that's it. So you're like, it's a double standard. Yeah, of course it's a double standard. I don't like Jack. I like Sawyer. That's it. That's all it is. I'm a bad person. So your long paragraph was Zane was right. But the thing is like you were getting you were getting so mad about it. But I'm like, yeah, that's the point. You're like, why does it only take this much for you to hate Jack? I'm like, because I hate Jack. Like <laughs> like newsflash, Jack sucks. I actually, the funny part is, in that big rant, I just said to you, yeah, it's a double standard. I actually abandoned my paragraph halfway through that rant. The last sentence of my paragraph is, but it's not a double standard. (laughs) How long did it take you to write that paragraph only for you to immediately put your phone down and not even use it? I was reading from it because I was, I didn't actually remember what it said at all. But then once I got into it, I got heated again. And so I just said, I'm going rogue. I'm just going to rant from the heart. Okay, well, let's let's talk about it here. This is a- another debate we had. We get in a huge fight about Hottie of the Week and and the integrity of Hottie of the Week. I how 
you say, oh, Sawyer, Sawyer's the hot one because he's hot. And I'm like, Saeed figured it out. He was competent. He's moving the plot along. He's always your hottie. Why did you not go with, with Saeed? And you were like, you have to respect the integrity of hottie of the week. And the problem is your explanation to me of hottie of the week is it makes no sense. You say it's like a it's a gut feeling of when you think someone is hot, that is hottie of the week. But you have said numerous times that you give points and sometimes you have to wait till the end of the episode. Sometimes people win hottie of the week and then you immediately take it away when they do something bad and you have to reaward it. That basically to me says there is no integrity of hottie of the week because you can just do whatever you want. But then I think well, the audience is going to come to my defense. All of the comments, the DMs, and they're all just saying, no, Lauren's right. Like, <laughs> Lauren gets to decide who's hottie of the week, and her word is law. And I'm like, what the hell? I just want you to know that that whole time you were talking, I was pulling up our TikTok account because I specifically remember that somebody commented today, Zane, they spelled your name wrong. That's okay. You're just Lauren's brother. I love Zane- that they spelled my name wrong. My name is in the post. <laughs> Listen, Lauren's brother, shut up. Zayn needs to respect Hottie of the Week. Lauren's gut is and always has been the deciding factor in Hottie of the Week. Thank you so much, Grossball Audio. I, it, Here's fine. the thing. The integrity is that what I say goes. And it's whatever I decide. Because it's my Hottie of the Week. Fine. I, I, I can, I yield. <laughs> There you go. Make up your own segment. If you want to be judge, jury, executioner. I did make up my own segment and you tried to cancel it. What was it? Quick Quick bits. Nobody likes that shit. You're you're still wrong. Everybody sent me a DM about how you hate quick bits. Come on, hurry up, hurry up, do it. (laughs) All right, let's double back to question mark. In this episode, we talk about how Jack said the bleeding has stopped, but that's not a good thing when referring to Libby's gut wound. Now we completely skipped over this last time we did a flashback episode with Devin, but we even said this would be a good question for Devin. Why is that a bad thing? I did consult friend of the podcast nurse, Devin, and she said, it's basically because her blood pressure is so weak. There's nothing to bleed, which is what we said. I said that. Oh, I said that. I'm so smart. I'm going to see Devin next week. I'm going to tell her. (laughs) Well, I'm going to see her on Friday because game night. I'm so jealous. I want to go to game night. (laughs) I hate living here. You know what's really interesting about this episode? Mel said that she hates this episode. And I don't know why. Because we talk about how we think it's really good. And I even said in the description that I think it was one of the best of the season. Now, I did tell her when you listen to the episode, message me and tell me if you think differently. And if you don't, why? She didn't do that, so you hurt my feelings there, Mel. But I stand by that I think this episode's amazing, mostly because all of season two, you were like, the button's real. You were hesitant. You were like, I think the button's real. I would push it because why not, just in case, blah, 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 blah. Even though the entire time you were right about a major thing about the island in season two and the hatch, you, at the last second, were like, I don't think the button's real. Because of this episode. And I was like, amazing. The entire time. But in the 11th hour, she changes her mind. 
I think that just means the show did a really good job. Because if I had gone the entire time being convinced that the button was real, and then just to find out that the button is real, I would have been like, okay, and? <laughs> it's not that exciting. I mean, granted, I was obviously fucking pumped when I found out I was right about the magnet. And I knew that the whole time. But, you know, that's a different situation. Let I don't want to get into it too much because you do have a fantastic moment in the upcoming episodes of the podcast where we talk about you being right about the magnet. But it was really interesting to me because... I knew your thoughts about this magnet because you just talk about it every week, but I never really knew like in your brain where it was coming from, where it was going. I just knew that you thought there was a magnet on the island. So when you were like, oh, I think the button's real. I was like, okay, well, does she think that the hatch is the magnet? And only for you to then say the button's not real, but the magnet's real. I was like, where is the connection here? And I still, to this day, have no idea. And based off your face, I don't think you know. Oh, no, I have no idea. I just talk out of my ass. Like, I just say things. <laughs> I always thought magnet. And I think my thought was that the, I think maybe at one point I said, the button stops the magnet. But I don't know why I said that. <laughs> like, I didn't have any, like, in what way, how does the button stop the magnet? I don't know. Maybe I gave more detail in a previous episode, but... Like, I just say things. Lastly, for this episode, Josh Prime says, rumor has it, the director of Black Swan, Darren Aronsky, that sounds right, was going to direct this episode, but for some reason fell through, which I thought was interesting because Black Swan is, an, is a weird movie. Never seen it, but I have heard about it. Here's a new segment I want to start for flashback. We sometimes do this on the actual episodes, but we're not very consistent. We do MVP. But for flashback, I want it to be MVL, Most Valuable Listener. Well, it's not Kate. <laughs> no, it is not Kate. <laughs> this month, it's got to be the one who started it all, Mom Mom Melts. I don't know if she was our first listener, but she definitely was the first person to be super like consistent with interacting with us and she gave us a very sweet statement today like right before we started recording she even asked is it too late to get this in she says i love hearing your perspective on the show when i watched it for the first time and even many times after that i had different views on the characters but after watching now and listening to you guys i'm like hey they're so right Maybe it's our generational gap. I don't know, but you guys are smart and witty and makes listening while watching again that much more fun. That's so nice. I know. She even asked a question. Zane, as a five-year-old, what was the most horrifying memory of the show? She says when her when it first aired, her youngest was eight and they watched it together and they're still obsessed. I've talked about this in the past, but for some reason, the shot from outlaws in season one where young Sawyer is under the bed and the boar is standing outside his bedroom in the doorway. That just scared the shit out of me as a kid. I don't know why. And then I also have a very distinct memory of confidence man. When Sawyer gets stabbed in the arm and he's bleeding out, that part really scared me too. But granted, I was afraid of knives as a kid because do you remember when you had your friends over and you guys watched scary movies? Mm -hmm. 
Scream and Ghostface always scared the shit out of me as a kid. I'm not, it's crazy because Scream is one of my favorite movie franchises now, and it's not scary at all. It's it's more of like a mystery movie at this point because you're just trying to figure out who the killer is. It's like corny. It's not scary. But I remember as a kid being afraid to take the trash out because I thought Ghost would get, Ghostface would get me in the middle of the night. Talking about things that scared us as kids, you know, the very first like movie that kept me up at night, Jumanji. Jumanji. And you know what part of the movie scared me? It's just the thumping of the box, the thumping that the game makes when it's like in the house and it's just like, and it's just thumping. I remember watching that at Uncle Brian's house. It was, we were very, very young and there was some sort of football game or something. And the kids were just sent to go watch Jumanji and get out of the way. That night, I could not sleep because I thought I could hear the Jumanji game thumping in the house. And I was terrified. For some reason, I thought you were going to say Jeepers Creepers. Because I remember you guys watching that. That movie scared the shit out of me. Jeepers Creepers didn't stick with me i loved that movie i think we thought it was funny the the first actual scary movie that terrified me and stuck with me was the village i watched that at aunt sally's house is that the one with like the it's like an m9 Shyamalan one i think yes i believe so i was very young i don't even know if it's i think it's more of a, a thriller I think I haven't watched it since that time. And then I watched Grudge in broad daylight and that scared the shit out of me. <laughs> yeah. I feel like between the two of us, we've seen a lot of movies. Maybe it's just because our, our dad was just like showing us things constantly. Kate told me the other day, every time I've told a story about dad lately, it has started with dad was watching. Because <laughs> he's that always was- watching movies. That'd be such a good podcast. You and dad, and it's just called Dad Was Watching. And you guys just talk about shit you watched. (laughs) Yeah, that'd be fun. All right. Let's end it how we always do, except for last time. Lauren's rights and Lauren's wrongs. Do you want to guess if you got more wrongs than rights this time around? I I bet I got more rights. Yeah? Okay. You were right about... How Locke handles the button in the season two finale. Yes. You were right about Desmond not being an other. However, I did make you question it for a little bit. You were right that the other's base camp was, quote, a whole commune. Hmm. And you were right about the magnet. You were wrong when you said the button was fake. You were wrong when you said Sun did not have an affair. Damn. You were wrong when you said that Michael returning was the others trading him. You were wrong when you said the work in the hatch is the question mark, not the button. Because you said in question mark that you interpreted what Yemi said about the work in the hatch being more important now than ever was the quest to find the question mark, not the button, which I thought was very interesting that you you interpreted that way. And lastly, a little teaser for the season two finale. You were wrong when you said that the Dharma door at the other's camp is the most advanced hatch on the island. Whatever. <laughs> we are finally caught back up. 
the next episode of flashback will cover the last two episodes of season two as well as the first few episodes of season three and we will be diving deeper into the article from vanity fair about the toxic culture that lost had behind the scenes i wanted to get all the way through season two so we could talk about michael's departure before we covered that but please tune in next month when we cover all of that until then bye Thank you for listening to Flashback. If you want to send us a question, please message our DMs. Please leave us a five-star review on whatever platform you're listening on. And remember, they were not dead the whole time.